0: bond market suggests that there's still a lot of positive sentiment around, even if equities have eased off somewhat. Why? Well, it's Omicron and hope that it will be contained. But there again, the UK has just introduced tougher measures in case they can't. So is it all misplaced optimism? And what does it mean for central banks? The Bank of Canada didn't move last night. Next week is uh, uh, Central Bank Week. Will they all sit on their hands till after Christmas? We'll look at all of that today. It's Thursday, the 9th of December, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning so we have a half percent fall in the US dollar on the DXY but it's not down that much on the yen the rise has been in the euro which is up 0.7% and the Aussie dollar up 0.8% US stocks lost their mojo for a while but it's picking up towards the end of the trade the dow is up uh, is down I should say 0.1% uh, but the nasdaq is up half a percent and the s&p 500 up 0.2% the euro stocks 50 is down more than 1% though but bond yield still rising 10 year treasury is up four basis points to 1.51% big Rises in Europe, two 10-year buttons up six basis points, even more for France and Italy. And oil is still on the rise as well, around 0.8% up for WTI and 0.7% for Brent. The fact that oil inventories in the US didn't fall as much as expected last night might have a bit to do with that. But it's all a bit curious, isn't it? We're expecting demand for oil to continue there's a move away from the safety of bonds, but equities aren't really doing too well. Uh, here's NAB's Gavin Friend to to try and explain what's going on. I mean, is is it risk on or what today, Gavin? What I mean is is all the positive about shares being held back because they've had a good couple of days, and otherwise, apart from that, it's all good. Is that what's happening here?
1: Morning, Phil. There is a lot going on, isn't it? Let's try and unpack this. So we we chatted yesterday, you and I, and we talked about some sort of mixed news coming through on. Um, Omicron, in terms of the vaccines, um, and the the picture that's now emerging is is it's it's becoming clearer that they do the current crop of vaccines do offer less efficacy against the new Omicron strain. <clears throat> if, uh, based on having two jabs, this is from that South African study that we talked about yesterday. Today, Pfizer confirming that there is a significantly less. Um, or there is significantly less efficacy um, on two jabs, but adding the third jab neutralizes Omicron. And in any case, uh, Pfizer and their partner, BioNTech, are already working on a uh, sort of Omicron-specific vaccine that they hope will be available by March. That meshes with that news we heard just over a week ago from Moderna of the same thing early next year. And as we said yesterday, I think, you know, the scientific community will continue to make Announcements, the you know, that kind of, that may well buffer markets, but on the strength of what Pfizer has said, that it looks likely to steer, you know, markets to a place where I think it'll take some significant sort of, um, you know, alternative news to remove the growing view that the new strain won't seriously derail the economy. But, will, um, but it will delay you know, it, won't it?
0: Because the, the point I made yesterday was that, you know, there's lots of places where the number of people with the booster jab is quite small. So it's only 15% in the US, for example. The, the place where it's the highest... Uh, is the UK where almost a third of people have had that booster jab. And yet that is the very place that in the last hour or so, we've had Boris Johnson saying that, you know, Omicron is doubling in the UK every two to three days. It's mirroring what's happened in South Africa where hospitalizations have doubled in a week. So work from home, wear face masks at all indoor, indoor venues, including theatres and cinemas. Uh, you've got to have a COVID pass now if you're going to go into, into large venues. So in other words, stricter measures in the UK, even though more than anywhere they are protected against this yeah i mean that's a double message
1: isn't it your point is is well made i'll go back to what i just said you know the, the the message the underlying message from from vaccine manufacturers is two jabs provides you with a good level of cover but it's not enough three jabs is what you need um and the uk government as you've just said in the last hour moving to what they call plan b which means working from home again if you can it means restrictions on number of people going to certain venues, depending on the venue size. Um, this is all designed to buy time um, to get the boosters into arms, the third right. jabs into and arms. And
0: that is, I mean, it's a patchwork trying to do that, isn't it? Because lots of countries are at all different levels. Some of them are very low. It's going to take a long time. This is going to delay the recovery. It, it
1: will do. It, it will obviously throw sand in the gears of the global recovery. Um I see Bloomberg putting out a note just now saying they think that what the UK has just done will cost about two point seven billion pounds a month. I mean, these are mm. back of the fact packet um, calculations <laughs> done. Um, it will do, but businesses, as we all know, um, have learnt they you know they adapt to what's going on, um, and um, you know some people will take to heart some of these restrictions, others will carry on. Yeah. So the impact as we go through this. Whole, you know, almost two-year period, and as we go further on, we've got sort of, the the picture that says. Um, the impact on the global economy will become less and less and that's yeah. that's, the way, so it's, you know, so, that's the way
0: So the end game is the same it's just going to take a bit longer so that presumably means that central <laughs> banks are going to start to delay. So we had the uh, the Bank of Canada last night for example uh, I mean there's every reason that they would be pushing ahead with uh, you know trying to uh, t- tighten their uh, their monetary policy because the employment situation is looking good but they've got inflation but they're holding back they want to wait and see what happens. They did mention this new variant uh, as, as as part of the reason, So are we going to see other central banks following that same pattern? Because we've got a whole load of them, a swag of them coming up next week.
1: Yeah, so uh, let's look at the Bank of Canada first. You're right. I mean, markets, I mean, this is one of the most hawkish-sounded central banks and their comments have in the past teed up markets for a series of rate hikes, five basically through next year, beginning as early as the 26th of January meeting, where going into today's meeting, it was 50% priced for a, for a hike at that, that first meeting in January, not today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they talked about um, inflation is moving up. They talked about, um, it, you know, it's elevated. They've strengthened the la- in the labor market, um, mm-hmm. the impact of the global supply chain, the constraints there feeding through to a broad range of goods prices. Um, and the economy has, you know, considerable momentum. Um, but they retained that forward guidance from last time that rates won't be increased until the recovery is complete and that that is not anticipated until the middle quarters of next year. So, but a market that is champing at the bit for something to say, we're going to go in January and you don't get it, that's uh, why markets have pulled back and that pricing of 50 percent is now half of that mm-hmm. um the canadian, canadian dollar pulled back to your point about what does it mean for other central banks they are cautious by nature by design so when we hear from the ecb the bank of england and the fed of course next week um they of course are going to be cautious because they're still waiting for more information from the vaccine manufacturers and from the tests and lab tests etc um and clearly what the UK is doing, you know, is, is will instill some caution. Look at, you know, what you began the conversation by saying that uh, bond yields are pushing up. So we had two-year yields pushing up above 70 basis points in the US today. We had 30-year yields. Remember, we've had this big curve mm. uh, flattening where yields at the longer end have been rolling over. We had a move up from 175 in the 30-year US to almost 190, up 13 basis points at one point today after uh, Boris Johnson has made his announcement of plan b all of these yields have just kind of flopped over by 2 or 3 basis points they're holding on to the bulk of the gains because of what i said earlier on that the market now is predisposed to thinking that this thing whilst serious won't derail the global economy we just need a bit more time we need more we need more jabs in arms and that's why those yields are holding up so i think you're going to hear you're going to hear caution on this from the central banks But as we heard from the RBA, uh, and we're hearing from others, they don't expect it to to, to to derail the economy.
0: But the urgency around inflation, so interestingly, the Bank of Canada removed the word temporary, didn't they, in relation to inflation, so it's still around. uh, And, you know, we were were told there's a sense of urgency. That's why they were all starting to uh, motion that they were going to make uh, moves because they wanted to try and control this inflation. I mean, if they're delaying because of this new variant, what are they going to do about inflation? Could it, I mean, Well, it could,
1: that plays into the debate that's unfolding now, of course, um, that listeners are aware of that this could exacerbate the problem if, if we're now going to take longer, um, you yeah. know, and uh, Omicron um, stifles the, the, the sort of small progress that's been made on healing the supply chains and the labour markets, then, um, yes, then inflation may go higher still as a result mm. so that that transitory word which has been retired by the fed you know we're just pushing out this longer and longer potentially which means before that- we get to a point where inflation comes back to target but it is still we'll come back to what the ecb said uh you mentioned at the top of the, of the brief we had comments today from elizabeth Schnabel, he's on the uh, executive board of the ecb and from martin's kazakhs who represents latvia both really seeing from the same Songshi, even though you consider one to be a centrist, one to be a hawk, both describing inflation as humped. You know, we have this hump. We're going to go up. We haven't reached a peak yet, although some people think we probably have in Europe, but we suspect there's a little bit further to go before it starts coming down. But the risks are still on the upside. And for, for Europe, you know, so long, we, we, we all think that inflation is not going to stay high. Um, for very good structural reasons. But actually, there's a strand of thought coming through now that says, well, maybe it doesn't pull back as much, you know, as we, as we thought, as, as, as the majority thinks. Um, you know, we might not get anywhere near uh, 2% uh, next year. Um, Martin Kazak's talking about 2% in 2023 or 2024. Mm. So all this plays into the ECB uh, meeting next week, where we're going to hear about, you know, uh, retiring the PEP program, um, in March next year, will run down tapering the current bomb buying. It's already been tapered in Q4. It'll taper even faster in Q1 next year. But as to then what happens, you know, Kazakh seems to say, well, look, um, we don't really want to offer any more stimulus unless Omicron gets really bad. And that doesn't seem to be the case from what we've been talking about so far, as mm. long as we can get the boosters jabs into arms. And so, therefore, the ECB sort of, you know, Game theory would be let's, um, let's, let's, um, continue with the asset purchase program at the current existing rate of 20 billion a month. Yeah. Markets think maybe we could expand that by another 20 or maybe by a fixed sum of sort of 200 billion over the remaining nine months of 2022, which is about 22 billion a month. Um, but we would only be using the flexibility of PEP. We'd wheel that back out again if it was needed rather than having it. On the stock open you know open-ended until until uh, recovery is assured
0: so schneibel said um, that they're not going to raise interest rates until they finish their bond buying program which sort of makes sense but i mean are they yes. not just the emergency bond buying program then all the other
1: QE purchases which are still um, well that, that's to be decided i mean they don't actually have to take any decisions on that mm. next week and i don't think we should expect that because we've got a state of flux here things are moving around so much we might have a direction of travel, but there's no upside in the ECB telling us next week uh, what they're going to do with the APP programme, of which they do not need to make a decision until the right. end of March. So that decision will be coming some point you know, in Q1, we suspect. So almost certainly lots
0: of sitting on hands uh, next week. They're, they're covering your faces in the UK and sitting on hands for the central banks. Uh, look, uh, we got uh, jobs openings, the JOLTS numbers in the United States, just uh, looking at some of the numbers overnight. They increased uh, to 11 million in October. New hires were at 6.5 million, 5.9 million. Have left their jobs so actually not a big difference now between new hires and those le- leaving but lots and lots of jobs available uh, so this is curious isn't it I mean there's lots of jobs available there's people still quitting Uh there's uh, you know uh, still you know millions of people uh still about almost 4 million people below the uh, pre-pandemic employment number Uh the economy doing quite well uh, it's difficult to know exactly what's happening here isn't it
1: mm. So you know the great um, resignation, as they called it, um, it reference really to 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 the the, indeed to the rising quit quit rate. So that slowed from. Um, 4.36 million to 4.15 million, um, still high. It was at 2.4%. It's, na- it's now at 2.8% from 3%. It was at 2.4% prior to the pandemic. I mean, that might suggest employ- employees are on balance becoming a little less confident in their ability to 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 to, to find other jobs. <laughs> you know, we say that there are only 11 million of them open, up from 10.6 million mm. uh, in September, but they may not be the jobs that they want. They may not have the skills. They may be in the wrong location. Yeah. People, again, you mentioned this at the top of the show, um, you know, people are reassessing their lives. You know, for an older generation, they've had a very good run on the stock market. They've had over the last, you know, a year and a half, they've had house prices in the States go up by 20%, stocks by what, you know, Forty so, percent, 35 percent, so and that, they are saying, "I'm going to reassess my life." In, yeah, had enough. In, of it. But in, 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 that means way, way, way of, way, of, everyone who COVID,
0: is, yeah, everyone who yeah. is prepared to work, then is going to ask for more money, which be, becomes, you know, adds to those inflation concerns, doesn't it? If if that is the situation,
1: then, that, then that's a question. That's a question of timing, isn't it? It may well be that as we go through 2022 the pool of available workers has actually shrunk compared to where we knew before if the, particip- if the participation rate does not pick up. Yeah. And thereby, that might, as you say, lead to greater uh, wage inflation. But over time, I think J. Powell and Lyle Brainard would like to think and do believe that the labor market can help more people those the structural issues you know um those minority workers that would like to work more hours or other jobs that need extra training they need to gain extra skills there is a there is a higher participation rate in the making and that but yeah. that just may well take more time until we've moved through the, the issues we face immediately hmm. on supply chain and the rest well, of you it.
0: put it like that and this could be a big opportunity then couldn't it
1: oh it, it, um, it could. We could look back at this in five years' time and say it was it was it was the remaking of the labour market,
0: dawn of a new era. China CPI and PPI tonight. Uh, we should know the the yuan has gained some strength the last couple of days, has not it? After those easing measures. Uh, from the People's Bank of China. Uh, also, though, Philip Lowe uh, talking in a couple of hours. Now, he spoke yesterday, talked down the impacts of the uh, Omicron strain. Uh, he said, you know, he didn't expect it to derail the recovery. Well, sort of like what you've been saying. Although, you know, if you need three jabs to protect the it, Australia's way behind the eight ball on that. Australia's been protected because the borders have been closed. They open again for migrants and skilled workers on December the 15th. Uh, that could open the door to more Omicron. It could be a very different future. We we just don't know how different it's going to be. I wonder how uh, how sure Philip Lowe is that it isn't going to derail the recovery for Australia.
1: Well, the first thing to say is he is speaking um, at a payments summit. So it's not clear at this stage, you know, mm. how much we're going to get from the governor uh, in, a, in a couple of hours on the economy and monetary policy. But we know, as you say to your point, you know, from the post-RBA uh, meeting statement that um, – you know, they're confident that uh, they think they see the economy returning to its pre-pandemic path in the first half of next year, um, even after falling um, uh, in Q3 to by the third largest uh, amount on record. Um, th- 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 again, he has said he doesn't expect, expect Omicron to derail the economy. You know, that's consistent with what we've just gone through. Um and um, they still think it's going to take time for wages to push up and get inflation sustainably within the 2 to 3% band. I mean, it's just snuck up there to the bottom of the band. Um, you know, um, it's going to take some time. Uh, what was interesting, I think, about the RBA meeting this week is is that people dialled in on the part of the statement, the the, the second to last paragraph, where they removed this reference to um uh, underlying inflation being no higher than 2.5% at the end of 2023. Um, so, you know, again, that's a kind of a, a potential nudge that things might be moving a little bit more quickly. There's a bit of optionality there. If there is a Q&A at today's meeting, I suspect that would be a question that people want to know. We will ask. Uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, But that's that's where that's Absolutely. where the market okay. focuses on this.
0: Delicate times, aren't they? Because the markets are still guessing on uh, you know, where we go when it comes to Omicron. Uh, so it's likely <laughs> any bit of news really is going to uh, drive the direction a bit. We'll leave it there for now. though. Good to talk, Gavin. Catch you soon. Cheers, Phil. Sorry, we talked a bit longer than usual. There was a bit to cover there, wasn't there? That's it for today, though. I'm back again tomorrow morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. See you then.